right, how you guys doing? So I don't know if Steve was preaching at you guys, but I know he was preaching at me. Um, how many of you know the gospel will cost you something? If it's not costing you something, I question whether or not you're alive. Because lukewarm, you know, lukewarm, it's like, it's just easy. It's comfortable. That's why a lot of people say they're Christian, but they're actually lukewarm and they're really not. It's not costing them something. And so, like, you know, we were talking last night. It was probably a couple years, two and a half years since we've been here. And during that time, Shelly and I, um, the Lord called us to Florida. We got connected with a certain church. And uh, we thought things were going to go a certain way. And it was kind of two roads. We ended up working with um, people behind the scenes in living rooms and, you know, just places that were not inside of a church building. And we, we... you know, when we were working with certain people, you know, we saw hundreds of people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and their, their gifts being awakened, people hearing the Lord. But what we were really called to, what we thought we were called to was a specific church. And um, it didn't go as planned. And, um, you know, the dream that sent me and the way the Lord was talking to me the whole time I was there, um, when, when it came to a point where we realized it was actually uh, dead, we were being, re- our message was being rejected in this, re- it was a really big church, it was 2,000 member church, our message was being rejected, and the way the Lord released us from Florida and brought us back to Ohio is that he came to me in a dream, and an angel came with a feather duster, and uh, he mounted me back up on this horse, and uh, the angel started dusting off my feet and released me to go back to Ohio. And so I know you were talking to me (laughs) and it actually takes work because that, you know, it cost us. Um, The decision to go wasn't mine. I had an amazing job in Toledo, Ohio, um, but the Lord sent us to Florida. You know, we lost over a hundred thousand dollars going to Florida. And it wasn't the fact that I was going, um, you know, to do anything about money or anything like that. It was, I was going because the Lord sent me there. But in the midst, he, his plan was for people in the by, highways and the byways, you know, in the hedges, the thing, the people that weren't in the mainstream. He had a plan for the hungry to be pulled in a place. Um, but in the midst of it, it cost us something. It actually cost us a lot. But, you know, the lesson of it is learning that it's, it's really at the end of the day, the Lord's going to take care of you right? Every mission is different. Every assignment is different. Um, and in the midst of it, whether you make money, you know, you have a lot of uh, Christian leaders talking about how to make the gospel prosperous for you. That's not the gospel. That is not the gospel. How to make money as a, as a Christian is not the gospel. Jesus said, give it all. Take only one cloak. Right? Not two, one. So that you depend on me going from city to city. And yeah, by the way, you are going to have to shake the dust off your feet because you're going to get beat, whipped, rejected. You're going to lose a lot. Right? It's going to cost you everything. And, you know, every, every time you go through one of those things, man, you, you literally have to shake it off. Go! Get off me! Go! Right? Because you can't afford to go to the next place and carry the dust that you um, experienced from a dead thing. Amen. So I know there's people in here that you're still dusty. So let everybody just stand up again. Cause I, I just, re- I really think that was, that was a word about 
even you guys that have been in this place from the old season, you got to shake that dust off so you can expect in the new thing that you won't come in here dusty. Amen. So say this with me in the name of Jesus. I command the dust and the dead things from the old season in every way I lost hope in every way I let fear rule me in every way I was resentful and angry at God because it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to I give it back to you Lord I stick my feet out right now and say, angel of the Lord, dust me off. I'm not taking the dead thing. I'm not taking the thing that the serpent eats into this new season. In Jesus' name, God wreck me. Open my heart right now, Lord. I open my heart right now, Lord. Not looking backwards, but looking ahead to the new thing. Come on, Holy Ghost, speak to me today and wreck me. Make me undone again, like in the days of my first love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So this is, this is the... This is the season of wearing costumes, right? <laughs> anybody, anybody, uh, I'm, and I'm, this is kind of a play on words, but there's nobody in here that wears a costume. I'm not talking like dressing up once, one time a year. I'm talking about wearing a costume through life. There's nobody in here wearing a costume, are you? <laughs> so let's just talk about wearing costumes a little bit. Jesus, Jesus, uh, you know, the enemy, that serpent will do everything possible to get you to keep, allow the dust, to allow the costume. You know, that dust is a costume. That dust is a covering, right? It's a costume that actually um, keeps you from glowing. It keeps you from being alive. It keeps you from being everything that the Lord called you to be in the very season, the very place that you're in right now. Okay. And that costume is deadly. It'll cost you everything, right? And it's connected to something that's extremely important because, you know, I like how Tabby, you know, let you guys all come up here and talk about how the Lord was speaking to you in your assignment because that's evident of the Lord present. It's evident of the Lord actually flowing through you to actually have an impact on the world. Okay. And if, if you're not, um, if you're not following in a listening manner, um, there's probably some dust. There's probably some, some elements of like, you know, why, why would I not be, um, expecting the supernatural around me? Why would I not? Um, and it's connected to, you know, life in the spirit is connected to you continually hearing the voice. Okay. Continually hearing the voice. And if they're, if you're dusty, you're looking back, right? There's a costume that you've accepted on yourself that actually prevents you from looking ahead because you're, you're spending your time looking back. Why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? And, um, it's a concept called shame, and it actually 
gets a lot of Christians in a very bad place. You end up being lukewarm when you're supposed to be on fire. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues. I do, I do all these supernatural things. Well, I, at least I had an experience one time, or I had an experience last year, but this year, well, maybe not so much. But there's this, there's this weird concept in, in spiritual Christianity where you can get lost thinking you're alive, but you're actually wearing a costume because you're, you're looking back and this dust, you don't realize it, but this dust is covering you. This costume, you're wearing a costume you're not supposed to be wearing, okay? Jesus said it this way in Revelation 3.18. He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and with white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. We were talking last night about life and the spirit is about vision. Jesus is saying, anoint your eyes, right? He's actually saying, enter into prayer that I may speak to you. And when I speak to you, you have to actually wear it. You actually have to become it. You actually have to leave behind the old season, leave behind the, the thing that broke you, the thing that, you know, caused rejection in your life or, or, or whatever painful thing that, um, kind of twists and, and keeps you from living spiritually all the time. Even, even simple questions like doubt and fear and why is this and when's it going to happen? And those are deadly questions, man. Deadly questions. Because if you dwell in them, pretty soon you end up not expecting in the supernatural thing, not taking risks, not taking chances, not allowing yourself to be vulnerable so that you can be rejected again because you learned your lesson in the last season. You see, in the, in the religious church, they'll teach you wise counsel, which actually, there's a, there's a, the code word for wise counsel is don't take risk. If you don't take risk, you never have to walk on water. You never actually have to get out of the boat. You never actually have to try to raise a dead man. You never actually have to try to birth something in a county where there is a desperate need for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to take risk, right? You just kind of be in this lukewarm middle middle state. No, That's not none of you, right? And, 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 am I offending anybody yet? <laughs> that's, my, that's my job, by the way, okay? You can't get way out here unless you get offended, you get confronted, and you actually say, you know what, that's me. I got to leave that down. I got to walk away from that dead thing, and I have to start expecting in the vision of the Lord. I have to start expecting that the Lord is doing a new thing. It's not going to look like it did in the old. It's not, I'm not going to have a place where I'm maybe on a stage. I'm not going to have a place where I did it in the old way, in the old season. I have to literally follow the vision. Because life in the Spirit, there is no life without you walking side by side. And the only way that happens is when you say yes to what He's talking to you about. You with me, church? You see, shame is a, is a deadly thing. It, it's disguised. It actually keeps you um, in a broken, bound state. Like somehow God, you lost God or God forgot about you. Like God doesn't have a plan or a purpose for you. And you end up clothing yourself. You end up allowing, whether it's the dust you allow on you, or you actually say, you know what? That God thing, you know, he, I think he kind of forgot about me. So I'm just going to bury myself 
in making money here or doing this or doing that, right? And the root of that, guys, is, is shame. You actually feel that you're naked, like somehow the Lord forgot about you. Somehow the Lord doesn't have a plan for the next step in your life. And so you put your clothes on yourself instead of putting on what the Holy Spirit is clothing you in. And the connection with this is that when you feel naked, when you feel left out, when you feel like um, you're not important to God and he actually forgot about you, that you actually either allow the dust to set, settle on you and cover you or you put on clothes that you think you're supposed to wear instead of expecting in the Holy Spirit. And the connection point here with the Holy Spirit is Luke 24, 49. Jesus told the disciples, Right when he was going to ascend into heaven, he said, stay in this city. Do not leave it, meaning wait on me. I don't care what's going on around you, but you come back into your prayer closet and you wait on me. And he says these words. He says, I will clothe you. Read, read that scripture. Luke 24, 49 says, I will clothe you, meaning I will identify you. Clothing is a symbol of identification. Who are you? Right? Who are you? Who am I? I am the guy in this season that got rejected in, in Florida and the Lord purposely brought me back to Ohio to do a new thing. Who are you? Do you know who you are in this season? I don't care about last year or the year before or even the season that you had faith to plant a church or do something in the old season. I care about you saying yes to what's next. Not getting lost in what you accomplished or what you know, are hurt by or whatever, not looking back, but continually looking ahead and say, Jesus, you are the one who clothes me. I look to you to identify me. What he speaks to you, what he speaks to you is the clothing he's putting on you. That's who you are. Amen. Who are you? Who are you in this season? Come on, are you, are you, a, are you a, a wrecker of the demonic agenda assigned to Ohio to get you to accept killing babies? Right? No, that's not me. I will not put those clothes on. In fact, that's my assignment, right? That, that's what you guys are, are hearing. That's why there's life in it. You're doing what he told you to do. Amen? But I have a question for you. What's the serpent been whispering to you? Are you listening to Christ clothing you? Or are you listening to that dust? You know, that dust has a voice. Why me? Why did that happen to me? Why did, it, why did it cost me this much money? Why me? Why did they reject me? Why don't they see my gift? Why don't they, 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 they? Come on, church. We're talking some deep stuff here this morning. Why don't you recognize me? No, that's not the apostolic call. The apostolic call is that you hear God and the apostle works for your dream to come to fruition. Not you just simply doing everything you're told by a guy in a pulpit. That's not, that's not the essence of apostolic. You're taught apostolic things in a pulpit and people come to pray, but every one of you, when you hear the Lord speak, are part of the vision. Are you with me? You have a mission because if you think like that, then you all have purpose. If you think that your leaders are the ones that are going to tell you everything to do, guess what? You're going to have a rough road because that's not the apostolic call. 
Okay? If you think like that, you won't have a prayer life because you won't have purpose. You won't have an expectation that the Lord's going to speak to you and actually launch you into the new thing. Amen? And so Genesis 3, and uh, we get to the point where, uh, you know, the serpent enters the picture. And I'm going to read from verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? You got to ask yourself, am I, am I, am I doubting myself by myself? The Bible says that the serpent actually is the one dropping the doubt. Has God said I'll do this? Has God said we're going to go here? Has God said he's going to restore me? Has God said? That's, that's doubt, and that's not just from the human heart. That's the intent of the evil one sent to separate you from expecting in God. That's how the assignment of evil works, and it's very cunning. It's very simple. It starts with a basic question, has God said? Has, what's God saying to you? You see, you got to be so adamant in what God said to you that you actually have a war plan, that what he said to you is written, right? That, the scripture says, write the vision. You actually have to write down what he said to you, and you have to pursue it. And as you pursue the vision, that doubt gets shut up, right? You just can't sit there and go, and it stops, right? You just can't sit there and go, like that's not resisting it's actually opposite you 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 it's kind of like you're constipated right but anyway <laughs> that's not the picture i'm trying to illustrate here <laughs> but the point is if you're not pushing into the vision you're actually letting doubt rule your heart and it manifests through na 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 why me? Why does this happen to me? Why can't we? This hurts. This cost me everything. This cost this. This All this doubt, right? But the reality is there's something that happens that, that, that uh, we got to understand in the scripture that's evidence of the serpent whispering to you. Verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. He's talking about spiritual death. He's actually talking about the concept of being lukewarm, that you'll not see in the spirit, you'll actually look in the natural, and that's why you murmur. That's why you doubt. That's why you have unbelief. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day that you eat, it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, the tree was desirable to make one wise, she could of its, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Now what, 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 the, 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 the aspect of this scripture, this line, your eyes being opened, their eyes, they were actually spiritually alive. They were walking with God in the garden. They were with him side by side, face to face, interaction, right? They're hearing him. They know him. But doubt creeps in. And it says when they ate the fruit of knowledge, right? The doubt, the unbelief, the whispering. It says that they actually became blind to the spirit because they were giving attention to the natural world. They came out of the spirit and they, they stepped into a, a, a spiritual blindness. 
They could see the natural world and they based their thoughts and attention around what was natural instead of the spiritual life that the Lord had offered them. They were deceived, right? Paul actually references this in Ephesians 3.19. He says, I pray that you would know Christ beyond knowledge. Think about that. I, I pray that you would know Christ beyond knowledge. There's a lot of people have an awareness of Jesus. You can actually read Scripture and have an awareness of even what He spoke to the prophets in days of old. You can have awareness of His promises. But do you know Him? He's distinguishing between an awareness versus life in the Spirit. You're actually following Christ because you are hearing Him. You see His vision. And you're actually on this supernatural venture called spiritual life. Or you have said, you know what? I'm going to believe these whisperings that are taking me back to reality. The pain, the resentment, the anger, the bitterness. But those are part of the gospel. Those are part of the call. You're never going to get to a point where that junk isn't whispering in your ear. Right? So you actually have to live in the Spirit. How do you live in the Spirit? Your prayer life has to be evidence every day it has to be a place of literally being watered by the lord of having conversations lord you said this and i'm going to take this step today what do i do next where do i go what what are we going to do next right so you're in conversation with the lord and the po the point of this knowing him versus having knowledge is a very big thing there's a lot of people in in christian churches that think they're alive because of making a decision 10 years ago but that's not the question. Jesus says, do you know me? Did you follow my voice? Did, I, did you um, let me lead you into the impossible? Yes. You know, do you know why David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil? You know why? Because God led him to a valley. He led him to a place of bitterness. He led him to a place of testing. He led him to a place where his heart would either choose to grow in the spirit and hold on to that no matter how bad it hurt, or you dwell in brokenness and anger and resentment and why, right? You get the picture? Where are you? Because that's what the Lord asked Adam. The, ne the next part, <laughs> he says, uh, he says, you know, when, there, when the eyes of Adam and Eve were opened, it says that they were naked. They recognized themselves vulnerable. They recognized themselves. They were no longer covered by the glory of God. They were now vulnerable. And so they sewed fig leaves and covered themselves. They put on their own costume. They thought they were vulnerable. They thought they were alone. They thought they didn't have the heart of God looking at them anymore. Right? So they put on their own costume. What are you wearing, guys? What are you wearing today? I don't care what you wore a year ago. I'm asking you, what are you wearing today? Have you been listening to whispers Releasing doubt into your life, doubt and fear, and God forgot about you, and God doesn't have a plan for, for me, and this situation that is just painful right now. <clears throat> but have you found the Lord in the place that it's absolutely dark? 
Because David said this, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right? The bread and the wine is set up in the very deepest, darkest place on earth, in the valley of the shadow of death. Will you drink my wine and eat my bread? Will you literally listen to me, rely on me, and will you begin to speak what I speak even in the midst of darkness? I don't care if it doesn't exist. We went through this last night, right? Right? The, the sons of the barren woman are more than the sons of the married woman. That's the way the Lord works. He doesn't just hand you ministries. He doesn't just hand you great times. Although restoration is part of the gospel. But if you're going to enter into a ministry calling, you're going to be led to the valley of the shadow of death so that you'll be tested that you'll never ever give up what the Lord is offering you to drink and eat. That the whispering, you'll recognize the liar's voice so profoundly that you will not question God at all. I don't care if I'm broke. I don't care if everything's been stolen from me. I don't care if I lost this person in that deep relationship that I never thought I would lose. But the Lord said... The Lord said that the desert place will come birthing forth life. Water will flow in the dead place. Right? He says in the very place where the dragon resides, life will birth forth. So is your objective to not have any demonic hindrance in your life? It says that Jesus was taken into the desert to face the dragon. He faced Satan. So is your dark season a blessing or a curse? Come on, church. Come on. This is, this is like the giving of your life. This is like the essence of the gospel. Your dark season is actually the most uh, 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 catapulting aspect of the gospel. You cannot go to the next supernatural call or place in your life without the desert. The desert's crucial. <clears throat> but you can't look back. You can't be like the Israelites. Wasn't it better back in slavery? We got whipped once in a while, but at least they gave us the leeks and the carrots and the, the stew. And Right? That's what they said. But the Lord shows up on the scene. And, and he says, Adam, where are you? Adam, my friend, where are you? Who deceived you? Why did you doubt me? Why did you walk away from me? Why did you think that this serpent could offer you more than what I've offered you? Than what I said I would give you? Than what I, the plan that I have for your life? Right? And then the Lord got miffed. He got PO'd. Who said you were naked? Who said I didn't give you everything? Do you know the vision, the breadcrumb trail that he gives you in your prayer life? Do you think that he's going to hold anything back from you? Do you think that he's, 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 he would somehow say, you know what, Jill and Bobby Sue, you're just not that important. So I'm not going to give you the, the bread. I'm not going to give you the wine to drink. No, that's a lie. What he gives you in your prayer closet is the essence of what you're going to become if you so choose to hold on to it. And so don't doubt God. God's not the problem. He's asking you the question, who said you were naked? 
Who said? Who said that dream I put in your heart 10 years ago isn't going to come true? Who said that ministry that I called you to that you thought was going to be like just handed to you 10 years ago isn't going to come true? Who said that? Why would you doubt me? Why would you let the whispering of that serpent deceive you? Thinking that somehow the knowledge of good and evil was more important than spiritually knowing me. Truly spiritually knowing me. So the question is, are you an apple eater? (laughs) I like apple cider. I don't eat many apples, but are you an apple eater? And of course, that's an analogy, right, for buying what the serpent has been telling you. Are you, are you in a desert place buying what the, what the serpent, there's nothing else to eat around here. I got a, an amazing polished apple for you, right? Oh, you, you're naked? Oh, yeah, you look a little bit naked. You need, you need some fig leaves. Here, just eat this apple. And I'm kind of being facetious, but the analogy fits, guys. Right? The analogy fits. What clothes are you wearing? What clothes have you decided to put on in the midst of a desert, in the midst of, of uh, the darkness, in the midst of something that was promised to you that doesn't exist yet today? What clothes are you putting on? What's your costume? Amen? What's your costume? What is your costume? You know, you have some cool spiritual friends around you, people that will tell you truth, people that might punch you in the nose, that you won't get mad at, that are prophetic, that might confront your mediocrity or your shame or your fig leaves. You might want to get prophetic with some of your friends, or if you don't have any, call me. I'll get real with you. I'll tell you what the Lord is showing to you. Because <laughs> I love you. <clears throat> truth, truth actually confronts, right? What is true actually confronts the lie that people accept as normal. Your job as a Christian is not to be comfortable and normal. Your job as a Christian is to be supernatural, to be undone, to be so in love that you stick out, that you can't fit in with the rest of them, that you're so in love that you're, you're, you're chasing God, that you're calling people and saying, Hey, every night of the week, we're going to start praying. Are you in? Every night of the week, we're going to invade this place down at the, the, the Walmart or the, the children's place or whatever. And we're going to do it. Are you in? Is, any, is anybody making calls like that around here? Oh, I got to wait for Steve and Tabby to organize something. <gasps> Come on, guys. <clears throat> are, you, are you eating the bread and the wine in the midst of your, of your challenge? Of the midst of you being tested? Are you, are you refusing to accept the whispers of doubt and unbelief and inability, all those lies? Jesus said this to uh, the 5,000. When Jesus fed the 5,000 in John 6, his next words were, drink my blood and eat my bread. 
And the 5,000 was dwindled to 12. People don't like that preaching. The 5,000 was dwindled to 12 when Jesus was basically saying this. You're going to be tested in life. And it's easy to gather around me when there's free food. But when I'm calling people close to me to do a supernatural thing through you, to disciple you, to speak to you intimately in your prayer life. And he says, you'll be tested beyond anything that you can imagine. And he says, but I'm putting before you my promise that you will always be intoxicated by my spirit if you choose. And you can always eat my bread in the midst of your greatest enemy. Drink my blood and eat my bread. And David, in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, says, you set a table before me. He had the revelation that no matter where he was at on earth, that eating the, the bread of the Lord, the vision, the word, what the Lord is saying to you, and becoming intoxicated. You know, G David was famous. He became famous for creating a worship place. Do you think that Zion was just a, a call that was automatic? No, man. He was chased in a desert for a decade by men who wanted to kill him. And he chose to still believe and trust the Lord in his darkest hour. And out of that came a kingship. And out of that came a miracle place where people gathered. They didn't, the whole city didn't go to the temple. They went to Zion because the presence of the Lord was there because one man learned how to trust the voice of God in the midst of his darkest hour. Is there a Zion in you? Come on, man. Is there a Zion in you? The answer to that, in case you're wondering, is yes. There is a Zion in you. There is a place of worship. The Lord has offered you a place of worship that will blow away anything the enemy tries to throw at you. The bigger, the bigger the challenge, the bigger the, the, the uh, opposition, the bigger the opportunity to, re to create a door for people to come in. What you, what you do in your next season is determined by what you do in your dark place. You are a gate. You're a gate of something. If you're... If you're, if you're a gate, and actually some, or, uh, Isaiah 28 says that, uh, the, that you are a gate and that the gates of heaven will establish justice and righteousness in the place where they stand. Isaiah 28, 5 and 6. You are a gate. You. You're a gate of something. You're either listening to a whispering serpent or you're listening to the voice of God. And if you're listening to the voice of God, you will find a way to worship no matter how bad it gets. And what you do in your challenging place in the most agonizing time of your life will reflect what you do in the next season. Because if you were a gate in the darkest hour, guess what you're going to be when the Lord knows that you will not turn away from him. That you will actually stand in a place and you will open your gate and let Zion land on the darkest places on earth. That's what a disciple is. Paul and, and the disciples were sent across the world to dark places. You know why? Because they were whipped. They were beaten. They had to believe God in dark times. And they said, no matter what, 
We drink the wine and eat the bread. And the Lord said, therefore, I can send you somewhere because that's what you are. You're bread eaters and wine drinkers. You're bread eaters and wine drinkers. Come on, tell your neighbor, you're not an apple eater. You're a bread eater. You're not an apple eater. You're a wine drinker. Come on, you're born to be intoxicated. Can you, can you picture, can you picture your enemy whispering, coming up in your bedroom and releasing that doubt into your ear and you're laying there and you're like, man, why did we have to come here? And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost rises up in you and you roll out of bed and you start on your knees. And you start prophesying what the Lord prophesied over you. And all of a sudden those whispering spirits begin shaking in their boots because they can't deceive that person because they believe what God said to them. I am a gate. You're going to be a gate first in your prayer room before you're ever a gate anywhere else. And there's this weird thing going on in a spiritual church about just learning the gifts and thinking that you can just practice the gifts. And there's a lot of that is true. The Lord is merciful. He'll even use a donkey to get people saved or speak. But you becoming his representative on earth is a whole different thing. Okay? You can get baptized in the Spirit and you can begin to hear the Lord. What you actually get to release on earth is contingent upon you walking out the impossible in impossible times and becoming a supernatural gate of heaven, believing no matter what is in front of you. I told you that story of the polka dot dress girl last night. A lot of you were here last night, the polka dot dress. Would you run from an opportunity to go to a city that is known for killing Christians in the middle of India? I wouldn't have been ready for that until my desert, until I, my kids even asked me this question, Dad, aren't you afraid? What's going on politically? Don't you, what do you think about what's going on? I mean, what, they're talking about, you know, the next wave of the pandemic, the next pandemic, or whatever you want to call it. This one's actually supposed to kill more than the next. Aren't you afraid? What are you going to do, Dad? What about not having your food? I don't know. I already died in my desert. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My desert proved I believe. Some of you are in some dark times and the Lord wants you to know that those dark times are actually um, what's shaking free the gate that the Lord wants to release in many of you. I don't care about your dark time. As a person, I care. But what I care more is who you worship in your dark time. Right? I feel like prophesying today. <laughs> I feel like prophesying today. I'm prophesying to you. I'm prophesying to you. I'm prophesying to you. The devil is afraid of what you're about to become. Right? Come on, man. The devil is afraid of you actually believing in your darkest hour. In your absolute... There's no reason for you to actually trust God and believe God. There is no reason to believe. And, and, and the devil's shaking about what many of you are about to become in your next challenge. 
in the season that you that you are in. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Man, it's hot in here. I'm just preaching too hard, huh? <laughs> Your visions and encounters establish what you are and what you're going to do. The voice of God cannot be trumped unless you give it away. And the worst place to be in life is not the deaf, dumb guy who's never heard. The worst place to be is to actually have, been, have it given to you and then doubt it and walk away. He who has given much, much is required, right? A lot of people don't understand the meaning of that scripture, but as your prayer life increases and he gives you more, you're going to be tested. You ever hear the, the term new levels, new devils? Right? They're, they come more cunning. They come more deceiving. You get hurt in ways that, man, that's a heavy dust. <laughs> that's a heavy dust. <laughs> Bring your feather duster, Holy Ghost. Come on, send uh, not one angel, send about five, because this dust is heavy, right? <clears throat> the, dark, the darkest hour will reveal your dream, okay? You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how the Lord taught me this. You know, 10 years ago, I had prophecies, my pastor even back then, oh, we're going to do a school, you're going to be leading this school, you're going to be doing this, and... Um, <clears throat> Then the Lord comes and says, yeah, Dave, uh, you're leaving. You're going a different way. I'm sending you to another city. Um, and all the dreams that you and your pastor had about how this was going to work out. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I, have a, I have a different dream for you. Um, and, it, and the dream was about me. The dream was about me having a school. Okay. And, you know, Shelly and I were taking on some pretty wild adventures going from city to city and learning, having to shake the dust off our feet. Um, and in, in that process, um, the Lord would encourage me and he, he would start to reveal to me, like, because I had some crazy, angry prayers. Why does it get harder? <laughs> right? Can I, anybody with me? <laughs> it doesn't get easier, guys. But the, the, Lord, the Lord came to me because I had, um, I, I had this dream. And actually, you mentioned it last night, Steve, about Nash. I preached this message called Nash Potatoes. And the point of that dream was that uh, the Lord was um, mixing potatoes, what looked like a white cloud in my kitchen. Um, and I walked out and I asked him, I said, what are you what are you making? He says, Nash Potatoes. I said, you mean mashed potatoes? He goes, no, Nash Potatoes. I said, Nash Potatoes. What, what's Nash Potatoes? He goes, they're pretty good. You want a bite? I said, all right. And he takes a spoonful, and it was like this fluffy cloud. He puts it in my mouth, and I start floating up into the air. And as I'm floating up in the air, he grabs hold of me, and he says, wait a minute. You're going to need all of these for the school that you're going to birth. And he scoops all these uh, Nash potatoes into a baggie. He hands them to me, and I float through the ceiling of my, of my um, house. And the next thing I know, I'm in this golden classroom in heaven. And Ezekiel is standing. And the point of the Lord introducing me to Ezekiel, I mean, I'm all about dreams and visions, right? If you read the book of Ezekiel, the whole thing is about encountering the Lord with dreams and visions and the Lord actually with Ezekiel um, present, right? And so I meet Ezekiel in this dream 
And I look around and there's 30, there's 30 chairs in this, in this classroom and it's all gold. And Ezekiel says to me, your assignment is to fill this classroom. Okay. And over the years, I've had these conversations about this school, right? And this is, this is eight, nine years ago now about when the Lord started to really emphasize the fact that, you know, he was going to use me to do a school that wasn't, it didn't have thousands of people. It had the, um, the number 30 is significant in the Jewish language. It's 30 is the number of maturity. It's when Christ actually started his ministry. He was 30 years old. And so people say, why are you so hard? Why are you so confronting? Because I'm here to mature you. Okay, I'm here. I'm, I can't let you sit in lethargic comfort. I'm here to call you to give your life. And that's, and that's a maturing process. But anyway, I've, over, over the years, as the Lord took us from place to place and had seasons of not doing anything, of being told not to preach, of, of spending time with the Lord and being confronted by different things and isolated and, and uh, beat up by people that were supposed to love us, um, the Lord would take me back to this vision and reassure me that you're going to have a school and this is what you're going to do. And... I didn't understand that. I was like, well, why, why does it keep getting harder? And when is this going to happen? Right? <laughs> Anybody ask those questions? I'm here to encourage you guys because in the midst of all that, the Lord, the Lord would always take me back to the classroom and he would speak to me. And in this one encounter, I'll read it here to you. I'm standing in the classroom and Ezekiel turns around and he writes on the board. He says, the breach and the breaker. And I said, what's, what's that mean? And all of a sudden, these weapons appeared in this classroom, and Jesus walks through the door. And um, I become aware, um, you know, that the, the, earth, the, the floor of this classroom starts to shake, okay? And I'll just read this. Suddenly, the floor begins to shake like something um, going to breach through the floor. The floor cracks around my feet, and a hand reaches through and grabs my ankle. It's the hand of a demonic angel. It's a black angel. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'm in heaven getting illustration from the Lord's plan about the school of the supernatural that I'm, I, you know, it's in my heart. Why all of a sudden, number one, is the earth shaking underneath my feet? And why are you, Jesus, present letting this happen to me? And this, this demonic angel breaks through the floor and grabs my leg and it's starting to pull me out of my dream. This demonic angel is pulling me out of the place I want to dwell, of my assignment. Okay, this demonic angel is pulling me out and I'm looking around and I'm, I'm, I start saying, which weapon do I take? What do I do? Why don't you save me from being taken by this demonic angel? And Jesus walks up to me with a smile on his face, and he's, he's carrying a, um, a silver platter, okay? And there's a, there's a wine cup, and there's a, hunk of, a chunk of bread. And he hands it to me, and he's just smiling at me. He says, that's all you need for this. And I grab hold of the, of the platter, and I'm holding on to the bread and the wine, and this demonic angel is pulling me, and I, I end up being whisked out of this place, of this schoolroom in heaven. And the next thing, the next thing that happens 
is that um, this demonic angel takes me into what I believe is, was the second heaven. There's all these demons, um, you know, all around, and there's this demonic throne, um, and there's what looks like a, a gorilla standing in front of the throne, and there's this word that says the ruler of territories. And this, this, this gorilla starts to speak to me, and he says, I have power to give you anything you want. He says, I can give you riches. I can give you um, things you like to do. I can, I can do whatever you want. He says, all you have to do is give me the bread and the wine. And I'm sitting there, and in the dream, I'm having a revelation that I'm being tested about whether I believe the dream of, of the school and the assignment versus just, you know, it's kind of like the matrix, blue pill, red pill right? If you take the blue pill, you get back into numb, it all goes away, you forget about it all, but if you take the red pill, you're never going to be the same again, right? Well, I thought that happened when I say yes to Jesus and I initially got baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, that actually happens when you actually become the supernatural thing, right? I'm not here to argue with you about salvation. Can I just tell you though, salvation's not the goal, you actually doing the supernatural, walking with the Lord hand in hand on this planet and not saying, man, I hope I'm mid-trib. I hope I'm out of here before the, all the stuff goes south and I just hope I get there. Amen. You're not here to just get there. Salvation is actually you giving your life and it's no longer you that live, right? And so, so I'm standing there and as soon as I said, I'm never going to give you my bread and my wine. And that bread and wine is symbolic of the vision. That bread and wine is like, it's everything. I'm going to drink what the Lord gives me to drink, and I'm going to eat what Jesus Christ gives me to eat. I am what Jesus says I am, and I will not give it back to you. I don't care what you offer me. I don't care what I lose. I don't care what I gain. It means nothing to me other than drinking the wine and eating the bread. And as I'm sitting there, dude, I'm getting like... I got some moxie. You ever have some moxie in a, in a dream with the Lord? I start having this faith rise up in me. I've been given something that that demonic angel and that strong man doesn't have power or authority. They can't even take it from me unless I give it back. Did you hear me? They have no power unless you give back the power. They have no authority unless you give back the authority. And I'm sitting there and I start eating bread, man. And I'm like, I'm like sarcastic. I'm mocking. I start mocking the strong man. And I'm eating the bread and I'm drinking the wine. And all of a sudden, the earth underneath me starts to shake in this realm. And all of a sudden, I see this, this angel reach up through the floor, and it's an angel that the Lord assigned me when, it, when I went to India and when he called me to India. And this angel's standing beside me, and he's smiling at me. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm eating the bread, I'm drinking the wine, and all of a sudden, he reaches, he grabs this, he grabs this gorilla, this strong man by the neck, and he says, give him back every key that you stole from him. Give him back every key that holds back his dream. Give him back everything because he's not relinquishing what the Lord gave him. And the dream ended, man. And you may say, well, that's a pretty, that, that was some wild pizza. No, that wasn't some, some bad pizza. 
That wasn't mushrooms, okay? <laughs> that wasn't a hallucination. That's what, that's what dreaming with God actually looks like. That you, in the midst of your test, will nev- never give away your dream. Amen? You will not put on a costume that falsely defines you when the Lord is actually saying, I've given you everything. Right? I've given you everything. Why are you preaching this in church? <laughs> Why are you preaching something like this in church, Dave? Well, there's a scripture that, that has intrigued me for a long, long time. You may have heard of it. It's Mark 139. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue to cast out demons. <laughs> Jesus went into the synagogue to silence the serpent that is allowed to stay whispering in the ears of what is supposed to be an army. Jesus went into the synagogue with a purpose to cast the demons out of his army members who have been tormented, who have been silenced, who have been tricked into letting the dust on them. Right? Tricked? Anybody been tricked? Come on, man. The Lord's here to revive some people in here today. He's here, he's here to um, actually turn the tables on the enemy and equip you to hunt the serpent. You hunt the serpent? Do you just, do you just think that you're just going to walk through life and if you don't mess with the serpent, the serpent's not going to mess with you? Can I tell you right now, there's serpents right now whispering in your ears. The only difference is whether or not you listen to them. There's big propaganda from the national stage. CNN whispers in your ears. Then there's stages on the, on the state level that whisper in your ears. Then there's local levels. There's even pastors that you listen to that just say, come to church and give me your money. You don't listen to anybody like that, do you? They whisper in your ears. They give you a false narrative. And Jesus is saying, I am the one that speaks to you, and I ask you for your life to step out of the natural world and into the supernatural, that I may uh, remove the shame of your nakedness, that I may remove the costume that the world is constantly trying to whisper on you and paint you up and make you look like something you're not. And that's the difference between are you in his vision or are you in the world? I advise you, put your phone down, Turn CNN off. Don't, it's propaganda, man. The world is an illusion. The whole thing. And you say, well, I don't do this, but I'm good here. And no, no. If you get the revelation that the Lord is your source and He's the one who will fuel you to become who you really are. And you say, you know what? I'm not messing around anymore. And you start ripping your clothes off and stand there naked before the Lord and say, dress me, Jesus. I am what you said I am. But I, I had this vision, and it connects with Mark 139 about hunting in the synagogue. And uh, in this vision, I'm standing on the outskirts of an apple orchard. And the Holy Spirit walks up to me with this camo gear and a bow and arrow. And he says, it's time to go hunting. And I'm like, hunting in an apple orchard? I'm thinking like hunting deer and stuff. And he walks me into the apple orchard. He puts me up into this certain tree. And he sits beside me and he goes like this and he pulls my bow back and we're sitting there and waiting. We're sitting there and waiting. And all of a sudden this python slithers up 
And he says, now. And, he, and this arrow release and pierces the head of the serpent. And he says, he, he, he says these, these words to me. Um, he says, train my people to hunt with a bow. Train my people to hunt with a bow. You see, if you have a vision, you have a bow. The, 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 the symbolism in, in the scripture, um, a bow is representative of, of the prophetic. It pierces. The, the arrow that is released actually is designed to hit a bullseye. Perfect. Okay? And when you release that arrow, you're actually killing the serpent's voice. The, the symbolism of the arrow is your dream and your vision. When that vision comes out of your mouth and you say, I choose not to believe anything else other than what the Lord says I am and what I'm going to do and what I wear and where I'm going to go, you're actually releasing an arrow into the heart of the serpent. You're crushing the head of the serpent. And you may say, well, I thought Jesus did that in the garden, right? He, the symbol of Jesus crushing the head of the serpent on the cross well, guess what? That's true. Jesus actually made a way. He opened the door, but you have to step into it. You actually have to step into the supernatural. And the way you step into the supernatural is when you start believing in the midst of an impossible situation that what he said you said to you actually kills the serpent. You don't even have to like say, go in Jesus' name. You actually, if you start prophesying what he said to you, you're actually killing that serpent. Its voice, it, it recognizes that you're not going to bow to its voice. You are actually releasing the Lord's voice, which is like an arrow piercing your enemy. Can I get some apple orchard hunters in the house of God? Can I get some apple orchard hunters in the house of God who will carry the Lord's bow into very, to the very place, not afraid of the orchard where the serpent lurks, but actually says, you know what? We're going hunting today. We're going hunting today. And you pull out all of your prophecies, all the dreams the Lord's given you, all the visions, and you start saying, Lord, this is what you said. This is what you said. Guess what? Those apples literally fall off the tree. They become barren, and the serpent recognizes he doesn't even have the ability to deceive you anymore. Woo! He doesn't even have the ability to deceive you anymore because all that's coming out of your mouth is his vision. Come on, man. I'm teaching you the real gospel. I'm teaching you the gospel of Christ that is so connected to what he says, not what he said, what he says. Religion looks back at what he says and tries to achieve what he said. But the Lord says, you should be focusing on me speaking to you today and walking, you and I walking hand in hand. That's the gospel. That's a supernatural life. You can't create it on your own. You can listen and do. You can listen and become. Amen? But if only you could hear the Lord's voice. Right? Well, I got, I got pulled into this dark place and I've been just in a bad, bad situation. It just, man, it just it feels like it's never going to end. Well, you know what? Every guy that did a supernatural thing ever was taken to a dark place. Right? Gideon, he's in the back of a wine cellar wearing peasant clothes until he hears the voice. Right? Elijah's in the back of a cave wearing chicken clothes. His costume was a chicken. 
right? Until he hears the voice. Moses is on the backside of a desert, angry as all get out, mad as beep, right? Until the fire speaks, until the fire was so profound that he had to turn aside and the voice literally shook him, right? Lazarus was wearing death, death clothes until Jesus said, come, rise up, right? Until the voice Paul was, was killing Christians, thinking he was the greatest man on earth in the middle of a synagogue until the Lord showed up and spoke to him and knocked him off of his donkey. Right? Until. Have you had your until? Right? Have you had your until moment? And I believe that's what the Lord's doing in here today. Many, many, many people get lost. They get the tongue thing. They get the prophecy thing, but they don't get the testing thing. They don't get the phase where you are actually supposed to be so one with your prophecies, so one, so united with the vision of God for your life that you get intoxicated by it. Because what happened on the day of Pentecost, they got tongues, then they prophesied because tongues was a heart cry that allowed them to see the Lord's vision, and they became so drunk with the vision that they literally poured out onto the street laughing. They thought they were drunk. They're, these people were different. And, and you got to realize, they were carrying the presence of God. They were one with what the Lord was prophesying, and the, the city got wrecked. Come on, man, you can turn the lights on in your valley today if you, if you actually connect. And that's what the Lord, I believe, is doing with many of you in here today. He's actually shaking the dust. He's wiping the dust off of many of you. He's actually taking you out of lethargy. Lethargic, is that the right word? Lukewarm, just getting through. And he's saying, don't believe the liar I'm speaking to you. I'm still speaking to you. I still believe even when you doubt. I still believe what I spoke to you five years ago. I still believe what I spoke to you eight years ago, that you are going to do this, that you are going to do this. You see, the Lord actually, people, a religious thought process is that you have to get perfected before he can use you. That's a lie from the devil. That is such a lie from the devil. And actually, once you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you should never stop being supernatural. You should never let anything stop you from being supernatural. So let's do this. Can I get some, some supernatural music? The answer to that, of course, is absolutely. absolutely. Yeah? <laughs> I believe there's dreams and visions. There's things that the Lord has given to many of you in the last two years, the last four years, the last eight years, even some of you 15 and 20 years ago. That things have slithered into your life and have deceived, stolen the hope, stolen the expectation. Even the doubt that says, 
Man, I think I thank God just forgot about me. There's a, there's a theme of what I'm talking about last night and tonight. It's all, it's connected about believing in the midst of your desert. And I just I believe the the mercy of God. <clears throat> there's this spirit called the Sandman. There's a spirit that works in desert places called the Sandman that comes to steal what the Lord gave you. Comes to steal your dreams. Comes to steal your vision. Comes to steal your hope. Comes to steal your purpose. Comes to steal an expectation of even things in life that you'll have a restored marriage, that you'll have a, uh, kids that uh, are healed. Many, many things. And this, this, this spirit called the Sandman is, is designed to whisper in your ear just like Adam and Eve saying, has God said? And I'm, I'm here, I'm here to tell you that God has said. God has said. Some of you have put dreams of even shifting your assignment in life, feeling like you're, you're locked in to something that the Lord started you doing years ago. And the Lord says, don't be afraid to walk away from something. Be more afraid of me not being in the place. Because the Lord is in the place where He's speaking to you. And some of you are still 10 years ago, 15 years ago, still in that place thinking that that's where the Lord is and you have to recreate it or you have to uh, achieve it or you have to attain to it. And the Lord is saying, no, I want you to walk away from all that. And trust me in a new season to do a new thing. So right now, the Lord is unctioning many of you He's unctioning many of you. He's, he's actually, you put dreams and visions and things he promised you on shelves. You, you, you locked them away in safes and you actually didn't give it any attention for a long, long time thinking that dream is dead. And right now, I believe the Lord is unctioning many of you. And he's, he's saying this question, trust me, because I'm present and I'm not, I've never walked away from my promise. And I believe there, that, that there's a supernatural grace right now coming upon people to believe um, and, and actually take the next step. And actually, the Lord says, if you take one step, you're going to feel me. You are going to feel me present with you in that step. And you're going to know, you're going to know beyond any doubt that I am with you. No matter how impossible the world makes it look, if you would take that step, which requires you to leave go of something, you literally are either leaving go of dust, you're leaving go of regret, you're leaving go of rejection, you're, some of you are even leaving go of success. For, for some of you guys, you were successful, you followed the Lord doing something in the last season, and the Lord is saying, trust me for the new thing, trust me for, for the new place. Trust me to, to actually birth a new dream. Amen? So on the count of three, I want you to start prophesying what the Lord is unctioning you right now. And I want this place to get boldly loud. I want you to begin declaring what you are. I want some of you to even repent to the Lord for the way that you were deceived by the serpent, but I want you to be bold in what the Lord has said to you. And that thing is going to come back to life. Amen. 
So I'm going to pray up here as you guys pray. Um, but I, I want you to get real, okay? I want you to stand up and step in to what you've actually left go. I want you to step into the dream. I want you to begin declaring and prophesying that you are what the Lord has said you are. Amen? You ready? Come on, man. This is crazy church. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't regular, regular church, right? This is you saying, I am who you said I am, Lord. I am who you say I am. I'm not naked and I'm not lost. I am in the vision. I am in the place. I am not like Adam, who's an apple eater, wondering that, that why, why, and, and thinking that the Lord forgot about me. I am not that guy. I am the guy who believes what the Lord has said. So you ready? I'm, let, let me pray for a minute, and then, and then I want you to begin declaring. I'll give you another few minutes to start to start to think about your prophecy over your life. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, in every way, the serpent has slithered into the lives of your people, Lord. I call that serpent exposed. I call the liar exposed right now in the name of Jesus. I decree that the dust that is settled on the hearts of the men and women in this house, right now I release the water of the Lord. I release the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow that dust off, to wipe it off, to remove it. Right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, in every way people wear costumes where they hide themselves in, in their self-defined religion. I rip those costumes off of every person in here in the name of Jesus and I just release faith. I release a new impartation of faith that the people of this house would believe what you had said Lord that you would never leave them or forsake them that you'd never forget about them that you would never let their dreams fall. Right now I release the fire of the Lord to invigorate your dreams, to invigorate your visions. To, Lord, I pray that the angel of the Lord that you've assigned to every person in here, Lord, I pray that they would become visible to the people, that they would know that you have sent reinforcements to ensure that your word will be done, that the vision and the dream of God will be executed. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let this grace, let it fall right now on the hearts of every person. Come on, fall, Holy Ghost. Come on, fall, Holy Ghost. Come on, fall, Holy Ghost. Fall. Come on, fall in this place. Come on, fall in this place. Come on, I command your dream to come alive. I command the bigger thing to come alive. I command your supernatural hope and expectation to come alive. I command those who've never prayed in the Spirit right now to begin praying in tongues. I command you to begin hearing the Lord. I command dreams and visions to be invigorated into your heart. The Lord said, my sons and daughters will dream my dream and see my vision and they will prophesy and they will be my army and they will not be stopped on this earth. I release that over you right now. So right now on the count of three, I want you to start prophesying what the Lord says you are. All right, one, two, three, come on, prophesy church.